You're now tuned into Unpunctuated with Precious, where we have lifestyle conversations and guidance based on my own experiences and those shared by others. Thanks for rocking with me today and tuning into another episode of Unpunctuated with Precious. It has been a long ass week, but you know what? Conversely, I feel like the week also flew by, but by Friday evening, I was royally dragged. I had no energy, I was tired, and I just really needed to kick back. So my weekend has been super lazy and I think I needed to just take the time between the UK going into another lockdown, the US election fiasco. There is a lot of noise coming in from all directions. So hopefully this episode will be a welcome distraction today. So this week really got me thinking about how much we experience and endure throughout this journey called life. We've made it through things we never thought we could. We've moved past what we thought would surely break us. And not only do we move forward, we thrive, we rise, we win. With that in mind, today's episode is closure is an inside job. And here's today's quote coming to you from none other than Dr. Seuss. Random, I know, but here we are. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And I use this quote because every lesson is a blessing, whether you realize it or not. Keep your eyes peeled because every day is a school day. So let's talk about the big C. By that, I mean closure. There's a definition on psychology today, I think it is, which describes closure as knowing the reason a romantic relationship was terminated and no longer feeling emotional attachment or pain, thereby allowing for the establishment of new and healthy relationships. So when romantically driven relationships or situations and especially if it isn't a mutual decision, there's typically pain from that loss. But in the absence of closure, there's added hurt due to the lack of clarity on the why. So for the longest time, I always felt it was necessary to get answers. Answers to so many questions left unanswered in the interest of closure. There was desperation for an explanation as if, you know, hearing that ugly truth of the matter would ease the distress, pain, intense feeling, you know, of inadequacy, rejection. And that just wasn't the case. And I realized that my pursuit of closure was a losing battle. Well, you know, well, at least the one which required input from the other party. And it took me a while, but I finally came to the realization that closure was an inside job in very much the same way forgiveness is, right? The ability to forgive is a selfish act and one that does not actually require an apology. Failure to effectively forgive imprisons you. And I could see that closure did not require an explanation as to why he didn't call, um, why he suddenly turned cold and broke it off with you or why he just disappeared and completely, you know, completely went into thin air without a word. And let's be honest, a lot of the time we already know the answer 
or we can at least speculate, but it hurts so we make excuses hoping this time we're wrong, trying to give the person an opportunity to save what they obviously no longer value or want, if they ever did, that was. And there comes a time when we must let go and begin healing without that external input in our pursuit of closure. And I can only talk from my individual standpoint, so I thought, let me look at my experiences and my own behavior and see if that teaches me anything, right? So I've had some sweet and amazing guys show interest in me, and in some cases, for some reason or another, I just didn't feel the same way. The attraction itself was unrequited. So most of the time when we have a legitimate reason to reject or blow someone off, we have no qualms about doing it openly, candidly, we're courageous in it. So for example, if the person's values are misaligned with yours, their character's a bit off, they're in obvious need of intense internal work, for example, then it's easy to be like, ah, it's a no for me, dog. You know, you can easily be like, no, this isn't gonna work. But sometimes when it's based on something superficial or something we're ashamed of or uncomfortably disclosing, cowardice sets in. I have a friend <laughs> ghost someone because he had a lisp and salivated a lot when he spoke. So he's, he was the say it, don't spray it kind and no shade to anyone with a lisp. But she actually ghosted him because of it. And I know that sounds ridiculous. And you know, look in my younger days, I ghosted people and I know what it means. Yet when the roles are reversed, we're unable to identify what the other person's behavior means. And so we start the onslaught of self-induced punishment calling or sending messages which we know will be ignored or left unread, acting a tad crazy, or in some cases, extremely crazy, just in this pursuit of understanding why, and then we're consumed with self-loathing and regret. And if you have ever not been interested in someone and chose a different method of removing yourself from the situation other than saying you weren't interested or that or you weren't that into them candidly, you know the drill. So when we fall victim to that same treatment, are we unable to see the wood for the trees? Look, I can categorically tell you this. Most men do not have trouble letting a woman know they are interested. It doesn't mean that they're always that skilled at getting the message across, but they will not not want you to know as it doesn't serve their objective to do so. Objective being, you know, whether it be to get in your roles or build a lasting relationship with you. And if a man has removed himself from your life, pulled away, stopped contacting you or treating you like a pest, he is telling you that he has far better options he would like to concern himself with. Right? Picture him saying this. I really don't know what else you need to hear. I haven't called you back. I haven't called you first. I've ghosted you. I haven't texted you. I hit. I leave you on red. I don't know what else you want me to say. Just going to take a second to thank my mister for adding his thespian input to this episode. <laughs> but imagine someone said that to you. Oh my goodness. Take a moment to think about how you'd feel if that was said to you. You probably feel angry, humiliated, sad, shamed. You know, any of those emotions wouldn't be desirable because come on, no one is that much of a sucker for punishment, I'd hope. That's why it's so, so important to have a sound sense of self-worth because then you can dif differentiate between who you should be spending your energy and time on and who is best left in the no-go zone. 
So my next few statements may rattle a few people, but it's a fair discussion. So forgive me in advance if this sounds like a generalization. It's not my intention, but stick with me on this one. Some women, including myself in the past, some women's idea of connection correlates with many other things. It's a leading factor. If there's a connection, bingo, you want to move. You know what I mean? It's it's it means something. We add, we attach value to that. Whereas most men's idea of a connection is just that, a connection. Like far more needs to happen before that so-called connection ignites a spark in his mind to make you his woman or motivate him to commit to building any type of lasting relationship with you. You know, some of us are socialized a certain way and don't want to be for the streets or for everyone, right? We respect ourselves. So we often look at every man we have a solid and real connection with as a potential boyfriend or husband, partner, what have you. Whereas a lot of men typically don't do that. And I would be happy to hear from any man that does. I want to hear from you. Leave me a voice note on Anchor. But typically they'll wait until the 11th hour to select their final mate, as most of them have a sound or in some cases, inflated sense of self-worth. So they're often in the belief that something better may or will come along until they no longer feel that way. So when you're sitting there waiting and thinking, okay, when he's going to commit, da, 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 sometimes in his mind, he's like, this is great, but what if, you know? They know we outnumber them, especially in the black community. So there is very little rush to make a definitive decision um, about a woman they may or may not be interested in long-term if they're not sure, even if there's a great connection. You can't convince them to pick you, it just is. You know, besides, who wants to be out here begging to be chosen? You want someone to value the connection and want to set the intention to build, right? It shouldn't be something you have to convince someone of. And there is no formula. We've all heard the tales of the commitment phobe who was with a woman for 10 years, never proposed, never committed. She got tired of waiting, left him. And then six months later, boom, he's married and his wife is expecting. So I say, don't fall into the trap of becoming the deer in the headlights when he pulls away slightly because of his schedule or lack of interest, or he's not looking for anything serious or his emotional availability. Throw yourself into enhancing you. If he wants in, he'll work to get in. If he doesn't, oh well, you know? And there's something I like to call the self-inflicted curse of the hamster wheel. The curse I'm referring to is the age-old story of us dating the same man repeatedly, just with a different name and postal code. How are we able to legitimately expect different results if we keep doing this? Closure from the men we've dated is futile without reconciling certain issues within ourselves. So I have a very friend, you know, a friend that's very dear to me who is very, very successful, ambitious, beautiful, smart. But in the past, she always dated men with a distinct lack of ambition men who didn't challenge themselves or her for that matter, but were able to really kind of feel grateful to have her worship her as she was amazing and was out of their league. They felt they were punching above their weight with her and she knew it too, but the ambitious and successful men she was probably better suited with in her mind only wanted arm candy. She felt they were superficial and didn't appreciate her qualities. They were adversarial. But you know what, upon closer inspection, I realized something. These men were tending to their ambitions and aspiring for more, so they were busy. 
but not inaccessible, but they were busy. They were preoccupied with the pursuit of a better life and a better them. And she always associated busy with a lack of interest. And these men that were busy, they'd like contact, they'd make that contact, but for her, it felt minimal. Right. And there were, but then she didn't also communicate exactly what the expectation was either. And again, like I said, busy for her was you're not interested. Because that's also what social media tells us too. If he doesn't text you back in 0.0002 seconds, sis, he's trash. If he doesn't do this or doesn't do that, throw the whole man away. But what about love languages? We talk about this, this is a new thing that most people think about now, that love languages are real and everyone loves and presents themselves romantically differently. You know, what about introversion versus extroversion? Personality types, Enneagram, <laughs> life paths. We are all so nuanced and sometimes we come with additional context and not everyone is ready to delve deeper because again, we are at that kind of YOLO next onto the next one mentality. But back to her, she was unable to see herself competing with a man's schedule or his pursuit of greatness for himself and potentially a future family. The men she did choose to be with eventually irritated her. Their lack of ambition and financial instability became burdensome and she became restless and unfulfilled. So on she moved to the next uninspiring one because it was that very beginning piece where it was just like, you're so amazing. I never met a woman like you. You're just incredible. Da -da -da -da. She loved that front end. But then when you're you know, in regular scheduled programming with this person, it's a different reality. And she never really gave herself time to learn from the lessons of her experiences and therefore just kept going around the wheel until she developed the mindset that all men were the same, whether it be the uninspired ones or the successful busy ones. So let's get scientific for a moment, a little scientific. Our brains love patterns and routine. It's why we don't deliberately think, right, like once we start confidently walking as children, we run the majority of our daily functions and choices on autopilot based on familiar patterns. We need to think less about what we're doing when we are operating via patterns we're familiar with. And we're biologically designed to do familiar things without needing to think about them. This isn't the way we should operate when it comes to relationships though, but we often do. So think about this. If you grew up with narcissistic, passive aggressive or emotionally abusive parents, as a grown woman, you're experiencing dealing with people like this. You may not like it, but people like this sadly feel familiar. We sometimes find comfort in it. It feels like home. As irrational as that may be, people sometimes are drawn to what they know from the past. And breaking habits are hard. If you've ever tried to break a habit, like a bad habit or learn a better one, you know that it's hard to reprogram when you've been when you're hardwired a certain way. These changes take time, but it's not impossible. You know, like with addiction, the first step is to admit you have a problem. <laughs> so let's say the difference between, let's say you know the difference between kind and toxic men. You know that, but you are consciously more attractive to toxic, right? Admit it. Don't just admit it though. Examine why you are really attracted to these types of men and why you're not so into the kinder, less problematic ones. Look for similarities in the failed relationships with past partners. You know, were they all emotionally unavailable, inconsiderate, unfaithful? If they were, there's your pattern. If you truly can't see it, then I definitely advise getting additional help. You know, therapy can be great at uncovering what 
were unable to discover and reconcile alone. And if you are past that point, so already gone therapy, already done the internal work, and you already know what your kryptonite is, but still seem to fall into the same traps every now and again, then I advise that you think about it this way. At the start of a new relationship or connection, actions require your attention way more than words. The words at the beginning are always on the money. They hit the right notes and press all the right buttons, right? It's euphoria. <laughs> when you focus on what a potential partner does rather than what he says, you're gonna see a whole lot more. You know, that courting stage flattery is good and all. You know, complimenting my beauty and my mental prowess, that's cute, but are you reliable? Do you apologize with changed behavior or just words? Look out for negative patterns like silent treatment, isolation of intimacy, uh, intermittent ghosting, not keeping their word. Look out for those patterns. I know I always say this, but the relationships that we have and witness growing up are often our reference points. These are the relationships that develop our attachment styles and how we relate to those around us in situations. You know, think about this. Is your attachment style secure, meaning that you're able to trust and love others fairly easily? Or is it anxious? You know, you desire to be close to others, but you're nervous about being let down or losing them. So you, you, you might sabotage those relationships that you value with certain behaviors. And then there are also those who have an avoidance style, which is where, you know, you point blank, try to avoid closeness and intimacy and are emotionally withdrawn. Knowing your attachment style is key to understanding why you attract who you do and have done in the past and how to kind of avoid that and change your habits in that space. Here's what Natalie shared. I can't say the road to our engagement was Chris's idea, but I did drop hints here and there, gave indirect ultimatums about not wanting to live together before I was engaged, wanting to be married by 30, you catch my drift. The usual hint dropping, letting him know that I didn't come to play or have my time wasted in a six year relationship that wasn't going to result in marriage. I wasn't fixated on marriage, so don't get me wrong. I just knew my intent was to be married to a man I chose. Lo and behold, on my 30th birthday, the engagement came. It was lackluster. The ring we'd picked out casually months before was downsized. Not that it mattered, but I was taken aback. I was in no rush to plan a wedding, but I did want things to move forward. I suddenly noticed that it appeared that only I wanted this and I was lumbered with a passenger coming along for the ride. We set and unset dates for a year, looked at venues, met vendors and had a plan that I finally felt he was on board with. Then came the talk. Chris told me he wasn't ready to commit to marriage and no longer wanted to be with me. He gave no concrete explanation and expeditiously moved out of the house. Blocked me any and everywhere with no explanation I was devastated, more so because I had settled for six years and was ready to continue settling for the rest of my life. Did I value myself that little? More importantly, I was angry. Angry because he was a coward and didn't have the decency to be honest with me about his real reasons. Whew, thanks for sharing, Natalie. I cannot begin to imagine how shocking that must have been for you. I know that letting go of something that you valued is hard. Guys, when someone ghosts you the way Chris did Natalie, it's so important to remember that closure is really in your hands. It may not feel that way, but it is. Natalie can't force Chris to give it to her. Even if he did, 
How can she trust that what's being said is the honest truth? She can't, but what she can do is take responsibility for her own actions and examine them. You see, she mentioned that she'd settled for six years. So it appears that there were things that were happening in that relationship that weren't aligned with what she wanted, but she continued on. And Chris's decision to shut her out says something and accepting that she may never get a true answer to her why will be easier than torturing herself. Closure is such a complex process and it requires you to make peace with that heavy weight of ambiguity that will ensue. I'll talk a bit more about working towards your own closure shortly, but I also want to say it's so commonplace to allow our limiting beliefs and past experience to hinder us or stop us from making the moves that serve us. I've experienced this firsthand and all it resulted in was me creating these counterproductive comfort zones, which weren't even safe zones. And the zones rendered me too afraid to venture out and I eventually just ended up, you know, living these recycled old experiences and poor choices. And the main reason for this, I'd have to say, was lack of inquiry into how I had managed to find myself in yet another familiar and adverse situation. It was easier to assume that the other person was the problem and I was a helpless victim caught in the crosshairs of their destructive life hurricane and their brokenness, you know? But I soon realized that after every experience, good or bad, I really needed to reflect. You know, that pursuit of closure and reflection is necessary. Whether it's to assess and regroup or just to exercise gratitude that, you know, you're free and reclaim yourself. And this was an essential part of me learning to learn from my own experiences as part of that process of gaining closure. I feel that taking an objective view on our actions and their consequences and then moving on in the right direction, more informed and ready to do better is paramount. Denial has never allowed anyone to obtain genuine peace of mind. So, you know what, allow yourself to get uncomfortable for a little while. Know that this process is going to take time. You know, get uncomfortable by assessing what has passed because the peace that it will bring will be well worth the time. So back to closure. As humans, we hate to be in emotional limbo. It's dreadful. It's just not where we want to be. And when we have closure, we're able to clearly understand what went wrong and keep it moving. Without it, we question ourselves. We make space for faulty logic and reasoning, bitterness, confusion, you know, and we lose trust in our decision making. And it's pretty traumatic depending on the seriousness or perceived seriousness of the relationship. But either way, it doesn't feel great. So if you've ever found yourself in a situation where closure was denied, especially after attempts to get it, you should be asking yourself whether the man you imagined him to be would treat you with this level of disrespect and disregard. And if a future with someone like that is even something you want, irrespective of how you want to rationalize, oh, you know, his upbringing was this and his dad did that to him. And, you know, because of his personality type and because, you know, you know, if the answer is no, you need to give yourself permission to conclude that they weren't who you thought they were and get on with forgiving yourself for giving your trust, love, loyalty, and care to someone who clearly didn't honor or deserve it. It's easy to want to reach out and have a real in-depth talk with them, understand. And sometimes you may think that you can get through to them to change their mind, fix things, or even more commonly, to heal yourself. 
but do not forget that they broke things off because they don't feel what you want them to feel. They may not feel the same attraction to you, they may not share your values, or they wanna be single, they wanna be out there in those streets, unencumbered or worse, they may have met someone else. Whatever the reasoning is, they have made their decision and it's likely one they didn't make on a whim. Unless you did something completely heinous, they've been considering this for some time. And persistently pursuing closure from them doesn't help matters and a final last ditch conversation won't always bring you what you need. It will more than likely open you up for more rejection and pain if I'm completely honest. So before I talk through some key ways to get closure alone, here's what I desperately implore you not to do, right? Please do not try to reach out to them and guilt them. You know, letting go is not easy, but guilting someone into staying instead of cutting your losses and finding someone who actually wants to be with you is disastrous. If the relationship sucked, you were saying that you want that over any future happiness with a clean slate. Nah, hard pass. Even if the guilting works and you get back together or you get back into some weird situationship, it can't last and resentment will take up residence in that situation. You may also feel tempted to make them feel like scum. You know, they made you feel like crap. Makes sense, you feel hurt, rejected. But if you have enough ammo to throw at them that's legitimate to make them feel bad, pause and think, why would I want to even waste my energy or be with someone like that? You know, those rose-tinted glasses come off and you actually see the wood for the trees. And there will be stuff that you've held in for months or years that you can spew out, poison, but trust me, the time for that has passed. I'm sorry. And lastly, do not, and I repeat, do not, especially early on, try to replace what you had with friendship immediately. You'll only be setting yourself up for failure. And when they do behave like your friend, i.e. talking about people that they like, posting people, it will make you big mad. Don't put yourself through the pain. Okay, so you may be thinking, okay, Prash, okay, so how do we get closure alone then? What's your plan? What's your strategy? What would you suggest? <laughs> um, so from a practical standpoint, I would say where you start is in the knowledge that to heal and move forward, you don't need your ex-partner or that ex-friend, whoever it may be, to give you the closure you need. That's where you start, number one. You're responsible for yourself and it's down to you to do what you need to do to heal and move on. Let's just start there. Tough love in these streets. <laughs> there are so many internal conversations we have with ourselves, but the pursuit of a clear view on the situation is what we need. Think about what or whom you are even holding on to. Is it worth it? Why are you still hanging on? Does it bring you joy? Are you clinging to what actually was or what you wished it had been? Being honest with yourself is key. The only way to overcome the pain, the anger, the disappointment, the rage, man, it's, you know, it's through honesty, which will allow you to gain a more realistic view of the situation. Like you won't have this idealistic view of what really was. You'll see it for what it truly, truly was. And hey, look, grieve. You've suffered a loss. So you need to grieve and it's okay. And do not judge yourself harshly. Whether it's a small short-term relationship or a long-term relationship, even if you realize they aren't worth it. The ending of any kind of relationship is rough, especially if it was a close relationship and long lasting. 
feel what you need to feel wholly and openly for yourself. Let it happen and know that it too shall pass. Next, I wanna say, look, don't rush the process. There is no real set time and no right way to do this. We work towards closure in our own ways and don't let a single soul tell you to just get over it. Whilst I say there is no set time, also don't live in a space for too long. There's a fab future waiting for you to come to the party. Remember this as you go through this process. You wanna feel, not get stuck. Finish this business and be ready, open and willing for the next amazing adventure well, you'll be more experienced and better informed. Okay, sis, so you've been grieving, feeling the feels, right? Now let's shift the gears a little. It's time to remember who the F you are and focus on the positives. Think about your needs, what sparks joy, and forget about everybody else for now. When you're at any type of impasse, it's a great time to look at where you can make other positive changes in your life. Think it all through and decide to make the necessary personal and mental changes. The next thing I wanna say is very important. Stop the contact. Slam the whole damn door shut and don't look back. <laughs> After a breakup, we can be so tempted to seek familiarity and comfort and find any reason to connect or reach out to them. But if closure is really what you want, avoid this. Delete the number, air the messages, whatever you need to do, do it. Do it, sis. Block, blocked, blocked, blockity, block, block, block. Everywhere and everywhere you can. And in the spirit of no contact, please do not stalk their socials or get your friends to stalk their socials. And friends, if your friend's going through this, please don't send her screenshots that her man is here or there or doing that or whatever. Please. Unless you clearly know that she's in a place to laugh, and is in a place of healing, please don't do it. This is bad for your mental health and emotional well-being, and it's likely to cause you more pain. You'll be mad that they seem to be doing fine, or worse, they've happily moved on. Do not torture yourself. I remember when I had to take a girlfriend's phone away because she kept looking at homeboy's last scene on WhatsApp. He hadn't responded to her in about 10 days, but was last seen five minutes ago. Who the F did he think he was, she said. And I was like, unbothered that's what he was unbothered so you have to be too and you're probably going to be in <laughs> rumination mode anyway so why add additional false narratives based off edited showreels on instagram or stories or whatsapp statuses throw anything that reminds you of the situation of them away and if it's valuable mail it back to them or find some way to get it to them that doesn't involve you having contact you know, and if they've really ghosted you, just throw it in the bin, throw it in the trash, burn it, whatever you need to do. One thing that will feel supernatural to do is to play the whole ordeal over and over in your head, right? Thinking about all the times that you were foolish or that you fell for it, it is horrible, I have been there. And guess what, then blame has entered the chat. Skip the blame game and redirect your mind to moving onwards and upwards. You know, there may be no apology ever. So start planning for the future without one because it's bright, sis. What's crucial for you to move forward? Think about that. Once you know, prioritize it. You may not know off the bat, but explore, 
play around, you may get it wrong, you may get it right, but stay committed. You know, pursuing closure alone is key to moving on truly without any encumbrances to an optimistic future. Making space for more nourishing and fulfilling relationships. You'll learn from experience and it will help you grow. I promise you that. So in closing, I want to say no one can gift you closure because you have to decide to create it yourself. It's a solo journey. And believe me, you are up for the challenge. Remember that sometimes things just don't work out. Sometimes they're a freaking blessing in disguise. And this can be out of yours and your ex-partner's control when things break down. You know, feelings diminish, motivations and desires change. We grow, we grow apart, and it may not feel fair. It'll hurt like hell, but you'll be okay. You have to decide that you will be okay. And guess what? I want you to be better than okay. Okay? Thanks for listening. <laughs>